Good morning, Whitewater. You made it to church. Way to go. I mean, that's, that's, I'm not, my wife, when uh, sometimes my daughter doesn't uh, feel like waking up, uh, she can be really difficult for us. And some of you parents, you made it here. I'm so glad and proud of you. Uh, I hope that you really receive blessing um, from God, that God really encourages you when you, when you're able to be here, when you, like, you being here is saying, like, I'm committed to growing, and I just, I love seeing that. So, um, Here's what I want to do. I want to say a word of prayer, and then I, I want to jump right into our talk. we got some cool things to talk about today as a community. Um, let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for each soul that's in this building. Thank you for each person. Lord, thank you that you're at work in their hearts. Would you encourage them? Would you challenge them today? Lord, would you lift up the brokenhearted? And um, Lord, would you just give us a greater vision of your kingdom today? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So um, today, I think, um, might be one of those subtle days, but subtly important. I feel like we might look back um, years from now and think, man, this is, a, this is an important week for Whitewater. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you know how we started, but um, Whitewater started in a living room. And uh, I was I was young pastor. Uh, I had been you know uh, encouraged and and um, kind of had a vision of planting a church or starting a new church. And one of the things that had really motivated me to even start a church uh, was that we live in the Northwest, and the Northwest is one of the areas in the in uh, the country that is the least uh, uh, open to Christianity. It's spiritually open, but not as open to Christianity. There's not as many Christians. This is one of the least Christianized areas. And, um, and there's, there's, there's tough stuff because of that. And there's probably some good things because of that. And I, I you know, when I was starting out, I just saw such tremendous need. And one of the things I had noticed is the longer someone's a Christian, you, you know, you start off as a Christian, the longer that someone's a Christian, often the less and less non-Christian friends they have. Does that make sense? Like the longer they've been, you know, doing church and are, are involved in a church, there can be so many things going on in life and there can be so much stuff that happens and we want to become, we want to grow and we want to do, we want to do groups and we want to do programs, we want to do Bible studies. And sometimes, uh, it, I, what I noticed was that church could almost like program so much and, and we could over program just personally our own lives and, and other things can take over just personally our own lives that, it, that, that, that all these people that are out in the world that don't know Jesus uh, don't get prioritized. And, and Christians, uh, unintentionally, because of, like, mind and heart and even some of the programming in churches, can, can actually suck Christians out of the culture that we're, we're actually sent to reach. So what would it look like to have a church that says, no, you know, we're gonna make sure that we're discipling people, we, we're, we're getting people in community, but we're not gonna, we're not gonna overprogram lives, we're gonna really try to, to get people and put an emphasis to, to be friends with their neighbors. Many Christians don't even know their neighbors' friends. I mean, there were seasons in my life, I didn't even know my neighbors' uh, names. I didn't know, um, you know, anything about their lives and their stories and, and we as a church, we just, we just decided, like, there's just a group of us that started at home. What would it look like to start engaging people in the neighborhoods and in their lives and make space, make room for people who don't yet know Jesus? Because Jesus was always hanging out with non-Christians, not people who didn't know him, sinners, people who had all kinds of stuff going on in their life. Yeah? So we started doing that. We, we said, well, let's do some block parties. How do we get in the neighborhood? How do we, how do we start becoming just friends with people and, and just bless people with no strings attached? 
not have any bait and switch, none of that stuff. Just bless people, love people, and then just see what God does with that. So we started doing block parties. Remember the, the first one we did, uh, there's a guy who was willing to host it. We went around and we handed out invitations and he was going to have his whole neighborhood come out to this block party. And he was like, I'm so freaked out. He's like, I don't know any of these people. I'm like, that's the problem. That's why we're doing this. And he's a little bit more introverted. He's like, all right, we'll do it. And then the day came of the party and he's like, no one's going to come. You know, why would they want to come hang out with me? And I was like, no, come on. We'll, some people will come. And it was crazy. I think God just blessed it just to give us a favor as we were starting out. Cause we just had a few people that met in a home and all these people came out. I mean, just tons of people and their families came out that, that we didn't know that would never have darkened the door of a church. They went like, we had to be a church that didn't wait for people to come to us. We had to go to them. And we began doing movie nights. We began uh, doing all the, the outward types of things that we love to do as a church. Many of you guys know that we have a heart for foster care. We have a heart for the schools in our area and, and families. And so we just, that heartbeat started there. And I remember, uh, you know, just gathering in this small house and coming up with these plans and doing these block parties and then eventually moving into an elementary school, uh, Fredrickson Elementary School. And um, the first six months were so tough because like, like we were doing all this work and I wanted to see people find Jesus. And you know how many people found Jesus the first six months? Like zip, like nobody. I was like kind of frustrated. I was like, God, what are you doing? We're doing all this work. You know, we're, and, and, and there were Christians that were like super skeptical of us. Like, why would you hang out with non-Christians? That's not what Christians are supposed to do. We're supposed to have these Christian ghettos that we hang out in and we never leave them. You know, and, and, uh, you know, and, and see your lack of fruit is proof that we're right. We should not reach non-Christians. You know, it was just, it was driving me nuts. And I, I, I just was praying and God would just said to me, keep working, keep after it. And I had mentors in my life that were, you know, keep after it. It's this good work. And, you know, like a farmer has to like plant seeds and wait and wait and wait and wait. And then finally the harvest comes. About six months in, all of a sudden we saw someone pop and, and give their lives to Christ. And then another person, another person. All of a sudden this whole harvest of people. And in the first year and a half, we just saw like over a hundred people like give their lives to Jesus through personal conversations, people we'd met at block parties, people. It was just crazy. Some of you guys uh, here might even remember that season of our church. It was amazing. And it was like so much trouble. These people didn't know anything about church and things that were coming out of their mouths and their lives, like, like certain churches that I'd gone to would not have approved. But I was so happy because God was, well, he was at work. And, um, we weren't, we weren't a fancy, like, you know, rig. We didn't have like amazing worship. Like I think we do now. I think Mike and the guys are just incredible. Um, and we were just starting out and I was learning. And I remember one time I was preaching and it was at the, at the school. We, we moved from a house to Frederick, Fredrickson elementary and then to Pelop high school. And then now we're here. It's kind of been our journey. But when we were at Fredrickson elementary, I was teaching in this gym and it was just, just a gym in the school, nothing special about it. And as I was, as I was sharing, um, so this gal had this baby and it was making kind of like sick noises. And I was like, what's going to happen here? And there's not very many people. And I'm teaching out and learning how to teach. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, God really wanted to like help my education on how to handle things. And all of a sudden this baby just like projectile vomited. And it was like kind of like a sprinkler. It was like, I'm sorry to give you that image you came here this morning for. You probably didn't come for that. But just everywhere. And my wife got up and I was like, oh good, someone's going to help. Because I didn't know what to do. I just kind of stopped and 
I just looked at them, like very pastoral. And uh, my wife gets up, and but she has like a phobia with that stuff, and she just ran out the room. <laughs> I was like, "There's no one. There's, there's just a few people. All these chairs that like just cleared that area." And the mom just kind of she just sat there. You know, the worst was over. I'm gonna st- I'm gonna stay for the rest of this sermon. So I was like. Okay, I guess we're going. And all of a sudden, baby started to sprinkle her some more again. It went, and and their people are just like, it was it was terrible, you guys. Like, how do you recover a sermon from that? I mean, the, the it was a sermon that never recovered from the vomit. It was just. And uh, the mom finally got up and took the baby out, and I just I was like, oh, I prayed for the baby, I prayed for her, tried to pick this thing back up. We, it was just crazy things. One time we had a, a guest speaker come in, and and there was a gal who was running our children at the time, and she was like, Hey, I really want to have the kids come in to hear the guest speaker. I was like, That would be cool, but I think it'll be really boring for that age group. I don't think they'll, I don't think you know, developmentally be the right thing for him. She's like, no, they will love it. We're bringing him in here. I was like, all right, if you really want to. So we were doing, the, we were in the middle of this interview. This guy has come. He was great. He was, he was sharing. I was interviewing him. And then, uh, I noticed some of the kids were getting a little bored and, uh, they were kind of like looking around, they're getting a little noisy. And all of a sudden this guy was kind of getting to his main point and he was about to share it. And, uh, all of a sudden I see this, the gal, uh, who was running the kids, she gets up and she's like, George, in the middle of the sermon, we've got to go. <laughs> all these kids like walked out. It was like they were walking out in protest. Like the guy was like, did I say something? What is happening here? Guys, I have so many fun stories from these stages of our church. But here's the thing. Um, God has been faithful. As our church has stepped out in faith, as our church has stepped out in generosity, lives have been changed. And I want to talk to you guys today about continuing the story of faith and generosity. Um, Tim and Johanna Weaver opened up their home so some people could start a church. I wasn't even married when we started. Like, they had no reason to trust me. I had no Sarah to like corral me. Um, and people gave their time and their talent and their treasure so that so that eventually we all could be sitting here in these seats in this rental space and... And it takes faith and generosity to be part of the movement of God. Like God does his things, but he wants to work through his lives. So I want to talk about a story, uh, a powerful story, that, that really kind of, um, for, for me, it, it illustrates the power of faith and generosity and really the movement of, of Whitewater. This is uh, starting in Luke 9. It says this, uh, Jesus has been teaching about the kingdom of God. He's been healing people. He's been been doing amazing ministry. And um, starting in verse 12, it says this, Late in the day, the twelve apostles, or twelve disciples of Jesus, approached uh, Jesus and said to him, Send the crowd away so they can go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find food and lodging, because we are in a deserted place here. There are no resources here. There are all these people, and we don't have enough resources to meet the demand we can't take so jesus send them to take care of themselves send them to other people so that other people take care of them we we have to send them away and jesus in verse 13 does his jesus kind of jedi mind trick with the disciples and he goes no you give them something to eat well they're like you know jesus we hate to bring reality we know your kingdom teaching we know that all these people love you you've been healing people you're doing amazing things but we just need you to know that that's reality time and the resources aren't here. Have you ever seen like the demand is, is outweighing the resources you have in your life? You ever been there before? It's a tension point, isn't it? And the disciples are trying to bring that tension point to Jesus' attention. We have more than five, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. They said, we've got this. 
And unless we go buy food for all of these people, there were about 5,000 men there, which meant with women and children, there could have been up to fifteen to 20,000 people. I mean, thousands of people. And they're saying, we have, we have some loaves of bread, Jesus, a little bit of fish. And unless you want us to go buy uh, from some stores that aren't in this area, because we're in the wilderness, unless we can go buy enough food for all these people, like, you need to send them away. There's, there's no way, Jesus. Kind of being a little patronizing to him. Um, and here's, here's a reality, here's a truth, and you can put this in your notes if you want. The need is always greater than our capacity. Spiritually speaking, the need is always greater than our capacity. There's always a scarcity of resources in the world when we're on our own, but the disciples are forgetting, because they're, they're looking at all the resources that they would naturally look at, and they're forgetting the most powerful resource they have, which is the Son of God who helped create the world. This is the Son of God who is a part of feeding the, the children of Israel, giving them bread from heaven and take, taking care of them. They're forgetting the God who provides, the God of miracles, the God who wants to give. And uh, Jesus has a lesson for them. I, I love this. Um, it says here in, in finishing verse, or verse 14, it says, Then he told his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. Then they did what he said, and he had them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he, he blessed them and broke them, and he kept giving them to the disciples to set before the crowd. This image that Jesus takes this bread and breaks them. And just what a pitiful image, you know, who's, this guy who's been this grand leader and he's been sharing and healing people. And he takes this little bit of bread and he blesses it. He prays for it and asks his father to, to bless this. And then he breaks it in his hands and then he gives it into the disciples' hands. You can just see the disciples kind of like looking at each other. And he says, okay, now you go give it to them. So they go and give it into the hands of other people and they're just like, what is going on? We look so stupid right now are you kidding me and he said he sets it gives it to his disciples they set it before the crowd and then verse 17 here's the miracle everyone ate and was filled they picked up 12 baskets of leftover pieces there's a few things here one jesus is not only concerned for people's spiritual emotional relational needs he's been teaching he's been healing he's been helping he also is a god who's concerned about our basic physical needs God cares about the whole person. He cares about, and he wants to meet the great need, the great vacuum, the great scarcity in the world. But here's, here's a reality that I think we have to wrap our minds around. God wants to give to the world through your hands. God wants to give to the world through our hands. Like, that's what God wants to do. I don't fully understand. Like, why doesn't God just want to do his thing by himself without us? But God wants to use our lives. He wants to put the bread in our hands, put the, the, the answer to people's needs, the answer to people's prayers in our hands so that we give them. Not so that we're glorified or that we're lifted up and when people make, you know, like us famous by any means, it is so that people can look at us and be like, huh, if God could use someone like him or her, he could maybe use someone like me. Wow, God provided through that. This doesn't make sense. And so this miracle happens and we have to realize that God wants to give to the world through our hands. You give them something to eat, Jesus said. You give them something to eat. And then he goes on in verse 16. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed it, broke them, and then giving them to the disciples right into their hands to set before the crowd to give to other people. God wants to meet spiritual, emotional, relational, physical reality needs 
um, through us, through our lives, through his disciples, anybody who would follow Jesus, like he gives us some bread. Some of you guys might be like, I just have a measly piece of bread. Come on, Jesus. So it's like, it's the Lord speaking. <laughs> you've got some bread that you've been withholding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, my phone did that the other day. Don't feel bad. My phone did that. It was like in the middle of a teaching and I was like, it, I tried to do the like, it's not me, but it definitely was me. And then eventually, so it's all right. Your pastor's done that before. I, uh, God wants to meet needs. He just does. And he wants to do it through our lives. Um, now here's, here's another reality that we have to keep in mind as God gives through your hands. He, he heals a hungry world. These are the results of when we take what God has placed in our hands and we give somebody, give to the world, give to a world in need. God heals a hungry world. And as God gives through your hands, he not only wants to do something through you, he wants to do something in you. As God gives through your hands, he changes your heart. That, that fear that sets in for the disciples. The disciples see the scarcity, they see the lack, they see like we're not able to handle this, and they don't see Jesus as much. And they get afraid and they're scared of the scarcity. We live in a world that like it's fighting for all it can get and it's like protective of all it can get. And we have people that like are, are that they, they lack generosity. We have Christians who lack basic generosity, care, and a giving nature because, because one of the things is scarcity. Like oh, there's not enough. Sometimes there's selfishness, there's deep seated selfishness. And, and when we give, as God gives through our hands, God actually changes our hearts. He breaks us of those things. Changes our mentality. And he changes the world around us. That's the reality. God wants to do it that way. And, and here's, here's another reality that, that I've noticed. When we just focus on the bread that God's put in our hands, and we, we, we solely focus on that. That's where our eyes are. That's where our heart, this is what God's given me. And I don't know the bread that he's put in your hands, but the resources, the time, the energy, what he has put in your hands. In this season of your life, I, you know, I don't know what it is, but when we only focus on that, then we, we close our hands around it. We try to protect it. Like selfishness starts to come up because we have to protect because this is mine. And the other thing is when we only look at the need, if we look at the bread in our hands and then, and then the empty hands in the world and how much lack there is in the world and where people are in need and hurting and broken, um, we also tend to like hold tightly to the bread because it's scarce. There's not enough resources. So if we only look at what's in our hands and we only look at what isn't in other people's hands, we, we're not, there doesn't generate generosity in us. But when we look at the giver's hands, when we look at Jesus' hands, who hands us the bread and keeps on handing us bread as we give to others, we realize that like we don't have to be afraid of it running out. We don't have to be afraid that I'm not going to have enough for me. We don't have to live in that mentality. We don't have to live in this mentality, well, there's not enough to go around for other people and there's ju- it's just not possible. We, we, we shift our mentality when we allow God to give what he's put in our hands and we give to other people because we we know like, man, Jesus can somehow make enough. And he'll take care of me, he'll take care of them. I don't have to be afraid. And many of us don't have generous hearts because we haven't learned to look at the hands of Jesus and trust in his generosity. It says a lot about what we think about God in how we either give or don't give what God has given us. 
And I'm talking in general with our lives, our time, our talent, our treasure, our energy, our resources, our care, our hearts, our love, our truth, our grace. Like, what, what are we giving away? Are we holding on to it? The reality is we're either living with closed hands or we're living with open hands. Look to the hands of Jesus, who is the great giver. Here's another reality. God only multiplies what he puts in your hands when you give it away. He only multiplies what he puts in your hands when you give it away. You can only experience the miracles of God by being a part of the miracles of God and letting him work through you when you give away the bread. When you give away what he's given you. And I know it got really quiet in here. But I, I want to experience and continue experiencing the transformational power of God in my life. And that means I can't hold the bread he's given me with closed fists. I have to open my hands. Amen? And he multiplies it. He multiplies it. And he takes care of us. He takes care of us. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. And here's what happens when we, when we don't give what's in our hands. There's no miracle that we get to experience. We're not a part of that. Um, God, God gets, uh, the people get sent away. Like if the disciples had their way, then the people would have been sent away. Because it's just too much, Jesus. There's too much need. There's too much going on here. We can't minister to all these people. Send them away. So people get sent away in that kind of mentality. And then the disciples remain afraid of the scarcity. But when we do give away what God has put in our hands, people are fed, miracles happen, bread is multiplied, disciples see God's abundance, and it transforms their minds from being afraid of the scarcity, and they see the God of abundance that, that gives. And it's not like I'm saying God's gonna like give you a Mercedes, you know, Benz or whatever, because you've, you know, you've given, like, like this equation that God owes you something. That's not at all, but we miss the reality of God giving through our hands. And multiplying and blessing others and changing the world if we don't live generously. I don't know how God breaks selfishness and scarcity mentality without learning how to give. I just don't know how. I think this is true whether you believe in Jesus or not. When we give, when we sacrifice, it kills that selfishness. Kills that greed. Now, um... I want to talk to you guys about our church, the next step. Like... Let me ask you this. In this season of your life, what is God given into your hands? What is God giving through your life to other people? Are your hands open or are they closed? My hope is in this series that we've been going through is that our faith would be growing. That our faith, we're doing this series called Built. It's all about building our faith. It's growing in faith. It's going in faith. We did relationships in faith and we're being built up. And, and, and then what we're, what we're landing on finally here is generosity, that God wants us to grow in faith and generosity. Our faith, a lot of what our faith uh, looks like to the world and what, what it, our faith looks like in our heart is, is, is determined by how generous we are with our lives. And again, I'm not just talking about money here. I'm talking about a spirit of generosity. You ever been around someone who just is generous? They're generous with their words and they're encouraging they're not withholding they're generous with like the, the, the resources they have of their relationships oh you you need a job like i might know some people let me and they, they go out of their way and they're just generous i want to have a church and i want to be part of a church i want to be a pastor that we're just known for our faith and generosity can i get an amen on that that's why I, I just think that would be that is where we'll see god's power at work 
And the story of generosity, the story of our church has been faith and generosity. We wouldn't be sitting here today if some people hadn't decided to, to believe in this crazy young pastor when he, when he married yet and, and start a church that existed for outsiders. So people who didn't know Jesus could find Jesus. We wouldn't be sitting in these chairs. Someone sacrificed and was generous so that we could be sitting in them because they, there's people who set them up and there's people who paid for them. There's people who set up this building and there's people who paid so that we can be in this building because they want to see changed lives. And I want to see that over and over and over. The theme verse of our, of our uh, series has been in Acts chapter 9, if you guys are able to follow um, up behind me. It says, so the church throughout Judea and Galilee was, and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and comfort of the Spirit, it multiplied. The church was being built up then, the church is being built up now. And they were being built up in our faith, being built up in our, our hearts and our minds and our courage. And, and, and it multiplied, and our church has multiplied. How many of you guys have noticed that we've been growing? We've been growing. Yeah, that's a good thing. I, I like that. I like that we make room for people. I never want to get to a point where we don't want to make room for people. We have a vision to continue reaching people. I never want to get to a point like the disciples and be like, well, God, there's just too many people and we just, we can't make room for them. No, we are going to make room for people. I never want to have this building get to a point where it's like, well, this building determines how many people we can reach. I never want to have the the shoe tell the foot how big it can get, Right? And we are growing as a church. We're seeing lives change. Marriages put back together. We had the biggest Easter that we've ever had before. We, we had uh, nine baptisms on the week after Easter. We had 22 uh, baby dedications and, and kids dedicated. Uh, are you kidding? We are being fruitful and multiplying, my friends. <laughs> the relationship series are working here. It has just been am- amazing. There's a few people that didn't get that. They're like, wait a second. Cool. Ah, I get it. Um, God, is, uh, God is at work, and we want to stay ahead of it. And so here, some of you guys, did you, did you guys get this built um, booklet, um, packet as it came out? Uh, if you didn't, would you put your hand up? If you don't have it, um, if you don't have it, um, Audrey, would you mind getting these people? Just keep your hand up. You can put it up a little bit or big if you want. And they're going to get you uh, the packet. Just keep your hand up until they get you this packet. And in this packet, there's some cool stuff. We have a booklet, which I want to just I just want to briefly talk about. And then we have some some other things. Like we have this table top, topper. As we go into our built uh, cam- campaign this on generosity, we, we have this so you can, you can leave it on your, your table and be praying for our church. And here's simply what we're doing. We want to go into a 12-month campaign. And what it is is a commitment from people in our church that say we, we as a community want to continue being a, a faith and generosity community. And so here's what we simply want to do. We don't have a... a at some point, we're going to outgrow this building, guys. Our children's is like... That's probably the biggest area that we're like, man, we, we can only fit so many. So we're going to be creative. We're going to continue um, making room for people, making room for families. But uh, here's the rally. We're going to outgrow the, the footprint of this, of this building as God continues to work. And we want to be ready for it. We don't want to have God bring an, a, a, a more permanent place to call home, a, a, a potential property, a potential building, and not be ready. We want to continue being a church that's ready for people who don't know Jesus. So we want to get ready. So here's what, here's what we want to do. This is the season we feel God is calling us into. We just want to get a really good down payment ready so that when God brings a building or a property that we're ready for it. 
And some people, you know, they get when when money or generosity gets brought brought up, people get scared. But like, man, I've had friends who never had their families bring up money with them, and it hurt them, and continues to hurt them in their life because their parents never brought up budget, never brought up like some of the tensions of how do you manage your life and how do you be a generous. But some people have never learned generosity, they've never learned budgeting, they've never learned how to trust God with their finances because they've never taught money is like this thing they're afraid of. Um, we're not asking for us. I'm not asking for me. I loathe watching like those televangelists that are like selling Jesus tears and like splinters of the cross. I'm not selling any tears. I'm not selling any splinters of the cross. Like this isn't, you know, I, I, that stuff makes me it just as angry as you do when you see it. Um, Jesus, when he was putting bread into his disciples' hands, wasn't giving to the world and having them give to these people, to, oh, fifteen to 20,000 people so that he could get more bread. Jesus was doing this to change the world. I want you guys to know our heart is to see our area change for Jesus Christ. Every act of kindness, every act of sacrifice, every servant that's in our church doing the things that our, that our church does, every act of generosity goes so that we can see lives transformed in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. And so um, we want to be ready. We, just, we simply want to be ready when God brings the opportunity. And we don't know when that's going to happen, but we, we think that this is the year we get ready. And so over the next 12 months, um, we're going to be having this uh, as a campaign that we are committed to, to growing a, a fund for a down payment and, and anything building wise we, where we, we you know get a building and we can make repairs or maybe there's no building we just need to start building it but this is going to be everything building oriented so what I want to do is I just want to walk you through this really briefly and I want to encourage you with this would you read through this with your um, with your husband wife with your family with significant other would you read through this and um, as you read through this, to prayerfully go through it. We're not asking for any commitments today. In two weeks, on June 3rd, we're going to be coming together as a church. And what we want to do is have people make their commi- commitments if, if they feel called to be part of this. If you don't feel called to be part of this, you don't feel like, I, I can't give or I don't want to give. So, you know, give, give to some other church if you can't give to Whitewater. That's a, you know, give to a kingdom building thing you can. If you can never find a place to give your resources and you're a Christian, and you follow Jesus and you, you never want to give the bread that he's put in your hands. I would just encourage you to ask why. Because God wants to give through our hands, right? So uh, I just want our church to get ready. So here's how we're, we're doing this. This is all free will. I believe spiritual leaders don't lead through guilt and shame. And this is, we just want you to make free will choice. And I, I want to lead, as a spiritual leader, we want to lead through inspiration and example. And so I want you guys to know that the, me, I as a leader, my wife and the other leaders, we're, we're in on this. We're not going to ask anybody to do anything we're not willing to do. So as you read through this uh, uh, the, in the next two weeks um, and be praying, what would God have you, how would God have you uh, be part of this? Um, I've got a letter that's, that's for me. It's kind of sharing my, my wife and, and, and my heart for our, our church and for our area. And I'd encourage you to read through that. We have an area that talks about uh, being an organization that strives to be worthy of support. I'd ask you to read through that because I think that's important to ask those, these critical questions whenever you're giving toward a nonprofit. There's just some basic things I think you should feel confident in. And then if you turn to the very middle page, there's this, uh, there's this uh, spectrum here. And we, we, how many of you guys have heard me say we all are on a spiritual journey? 
All right, I believe that with all my heart. And the most important thing is taking the next step in your life. If it's true that we're all on a spiritual journey, then it's also true that we're on a generosity journey. And when our our church first started, we had all these new Christians come in, right? How many do you think had ever given to a church organization? How many do you think were very skeptical of giving to a church organization? Like, all of them. In the Northwest, there's a natural skepticism. The only organization or, you know... um, structure that they had given to, like many of the new Christians coming in, uh, that they had given to regularly was the government. <laughs> because they had to. How many of you guys give to the government? Because you have to. <laughs> Few of you. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> Don't put this on the internet. <laughs> so uh, you can go ahead and put, put this up. We, here's, here's the journey that we see a lot of people making. And I want to tell you guys, every step in this, in this process, in this journey of generosity, as we become more like Christ, we become more generous. We become more trusting of God with our lives. But every step, I want to tell you, is a major step of faith is a major step of faith. None of these are little steps. These are all big. First one we call tipping. When people first come, they give their lives to Christ, they're like, wait, you know, if George had a good sermon, I'll throw some, some dollars at Mike had a good song, you know, I'll throw you five bucks. That's awesome. And you know what? I, you know, some people can kind of laugh a little bit at that. I think that's awesome. Someone is deciding to give toward Jesus and they didn't know him before and they're starting somewhere. That's, it's not going to keep the lights on or anything, but you know, it's, it's a movement of the heart. I think that's awesome. Then uh, the next step would often be like, I'll give when I can or when needed. When I can or when needed. Some of us are at that point. I'll give when I can or when needed, you know? Um, and then the next step is pr- what we call priority giving, giving first to God. This is the paradigm shift that happens in the mind of someone who begins to really follow Jesus. They begin to trust him with more and more of their life. And the priority is, is saying, okay, instead of living my life like I got this pie and here's my budget and here's my resources and I'm going to eat all my budget and all for me and here's for my more and here's for my family and here's for this and here's for that. But I'm going to spend it all around me first and then after everything's spent that I wanted to spend, then I'll give God the crumbs of what's left of the pie if there's anything left over. Now, when you start to go priority giving, you flip it and you say, God, I'm going to cut out a slice of the pie for you first. I'm going to cut a slice of it out of the budget for you and give to you first. It might be 1% of your budget. It might be 2%. It might be, I don't know, 0.5. But you, you say, I'm going to give to God first. And that's one of the biggest first steps of faith with our finances that we take. And it starts honoring God first. It's a little scary, but people take that step. Now, the next one we call percentage, and it's um, it's that step of tithing. The tithe means 10%, and it's in the Old Testament and New Testament as not the ceiling of giving, but it's like the floor of giving. It's like like one of the basics when people really know Jesus. They they trust him with everything, and like, like I just return to God what he's given me. And so 10% of the budget goes to Jesus, goes to God, goes to his kingdom mission. And offerings and other things go on top of that. And how many of you guys at some point faced thinking or stepping into tithing 10% of your budget and were like, <gasps> like this, you're like, oh, maybe you got excited, you heard a sermon and like, God's, you know, he's got you back and you're just like, yeah, tithe 10%, babe, can we do that good? You know, or whatever. And then you, you look at the budget and you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> or like you're going through some catastrophic stuff in your life and you're like, I just, what? I've been there. I remember the season of my life uh, when I was younger and I think I was doing youth work and I was looking at my finances and I was like, oh man, I got to give 10. And oh man, I got to give 10. And it was really scary. But here's what's happened with me. 
I've, I've learned, I used to be scary. Now when I look at giving 10, God has blessed and used it because God uses what we give through our hands. I've seen him bless others and he's blessed my life in some ways. Like I said, it's not a slot machine in this guy, but God has taken care of me over and over and over. I could share so many stories that now I, I look at it like if I don't give, like I don't want to turn off how God is using my life to impact others and, and to pour out blessing on other people. And that's what I mean. I'm turning off that faucet. And, and here's the, here's the mental shift that happens when we begin to tithe. 10%, this is one of the hardest things, but it's a big shift. We say, I give God 10%. That means I live on 90%. My savings and everything else, I'm going to live on 90%. And you learn to say, 90% of my budget with God's grace and blessing is greater than 100% without God. Did you catch that? And, and people who have stepped on into this kind of faith with God, I, I, people who have done that, I, I tell you, over the years, they, many of the, my friends that, are, that have stepped into this kind of faith, they're like, I'm afraid not to tithe because of how much God has used my life. I just don't want it to stop. And so again, 90% with God is greater than 100% without God when it comes to our finances. That's one of the big shifts that happens there. And then there's progressive tithing. I won't spend too much time, but it's like going 1%, you know, more, 2% over the tithe. So it's 11, 12, 13, 14. There's people who are just like, they have, they just want to give away. And the more they give, God, the more God takes care of them, the more God blesses other people. And there's just this awesome thing that happens. And Jesus teaches us, what do you have in your hands? What are you willing to give? And finally, offerings. And offerings are not, you know, like you don't have to. They're not something you, you need to do. Offerings are just anything over and above the 10%. Anything that we would give is like a love offering to God. And I'll give you an example of this, and then I'll, I'll kind of close with a, with a few thoughts for you guys. Because I'm so excited that our church is at this point. Like, like, we need to get ready to be a church that continues to be a place to call home for our community. Now, um... There's a gal, I, I bought her house. She was in her 90s. She ended up dying at the ripe old age of like late 90s, like 98 or something like that. She was this like old Norwegian and uh, she'd never been married. She was a teacher her whole life and she had a heart for early childhood development. When she died, she left in her will $200,000 to give to a church so that they could develop their early childhood. She wanted to, she knew even when she was going, that she wanted her money to count for eternal things. She gave this offering. As we enter this season for our church, I, I hope you guys know we want to we continue being a church that loves our community. We, we, we have a, this, this vision to see God change this area. And um, maybe giving toward uh, the campaign fund or maybe just taking a step and saying, I'm going to give percentage or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start giving 10% over these 12 months or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start doing progressive or I'm going to give an offering. Like, whatever that step is, it's going to strengthen our church to be ready. Amen? We have two funds, like it, uh, the, our general fund and we just made a new one for the campaign. And uh, my, my uh, executive wouldn't be happy if I didn't mention, uh, if you start to give toward the campaign, please don't stop giving your, your regular giving. Be kind of like, um, you know, planning for a remodel in the home and maybe adding a garage, but then stopping your payments on your, on your mortgage. We'd lose the home, you know. So like as a church, we're asking for over and above. And, and we're not, and this isn't a have to. Would you just talk with the Lord? Would you talk with your, the, the people you love in your life and just ask Him? 
and talk with them, what would God have us do? I want to see God open the windows of heaven and just be crazy generous through our church. Vision we have here, and I'm going to share bits, a little more more of this in the coming uh, two weeks. But but I just want to give you guys this. Um, we have a vision to reach 10,000 people in 10 years. That's crazy. That scares me a lot. I feel like the disciples sometimes like looking out and be like, this is too much. Lord, we can't do this. I can't do this. But I know that we can with God's help. But we have to realize what has God given into the hands of Whitewater that we can give to the community. If you guys, imagine what, imagine with me for a second, what would it look like if we didn't just have this building that we rent twice a week? What would it look like if we had a building for the community seven days a week? You, many of you guys know our heart for foster care and the, the ways that we partner with Olive Crest. And we've got every one of our community groups somehow uh, finds a way to bless. Like it's in our DNA. We bless our community. So there's people who do, who help helping hands and help other nonprofits. There's people who get behind schools and we, we've done like, you know, festivals and egg hunts and we, we just want to bless our community. Imagine what we could do as a church if, if we had our, our building open and accessible for our community. We, we want to be a church that, that has a life development program for people where, where we can help, you know, just life skills. More and more of the world we live in, the life skills are just draining out of our culture. You know, basic budgeting, basic uh, <clears throat> parenting, like basic, um, like how to be a good friend. <laughs> um, you know, uh, job finding and, and, and job getting skills. And we, we want to have life development, not just for our congregation, but for our community. And we want to be a church. To, if we're going to reach 10,000 people in 10 years, we're going to have to be strategic in putting these life-giving centers of Jesus around our county. But it starts here in Puyallup. It starts here in the Puyallup Valley. So what, would, what, would, what could happen if God gave us a permanent home? I want to be ready for it. I don't know that it's going to be ready, you know, anytime soon, but we don't want to miss it. Amen? Amen. So let me ask, what's God put in your hands? And what could you use? What could God use to make an, an indent, to make an impact for eternity through what he's put in your hands? Um, when, you're, when you're giving to an organization, one important thing before I close with, with one verse is this. Um, we want to be an organization that has a, a, a real good financial, just integrity. Financial integrity is so important. I want you guys to know every, every month, uh, you know, our, our money is reviewed by a CPA. We have an advisory team uh, that, that goes over our, our budget. Uh, we have our um, annual report online. You can go look at it. Go to our, our giving page. You want to know anything? You want to give? And you also want to know our, our annual budget, what we spend things on, what we brought in. You want to look. We, we want to be totally transparent. So you can go look at that um, so that you know that you can trust us as an organization. And the, the church is, is an organization, but it's also a family. And we want to take care of each other. I, I love this. The disciples, the apostles that learned to give what God had put in their hands and saw this miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Later when Jesus launches the church in Acts chapter 4, we see this amazing moment. With great power, the apostles, the disciples, were giving testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, great grace was on them all. God was moving. And, and for there was no needy person among them because all those who owned lands and houses uh, sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them 
them at the apostles' feet. And this was distributed to each person who had need. Uh, the, the, the disciples learned from the bread that had been put in their hands and they created a movement that said, what God has put in our hands, we are going to use to bless the world, to bless each other. We are going to be a, a community that just baffles the world. And I want to be a ch- church that baffles the world because of our crazy faith and generosity. And uh, so here's what we're doing today at, to initiate the, these next three weeks as you pray and think about this as we head towards June 3rd where we want to, as a church, say, hey, here's the bread that God has given into our hands and we want to give it toward this. Um, we're going to take an offering and we're going to do something we call a reverse offering. A uh, reverse offering is this. Uh, as the plates go by, you're free to give. Wait, God has given you in your hands today. As much or as little as you want. But if you have any need, take from the plate whatever you need. Take from, yeah, I'm, you heard me right. You can take from the plate whatever you need. If, you have, if you've had a hard month, if it's been a hard year, take what you need. And I encourage you to take what you need, not just what you want, but what you need. And let God take care of you. Like that's the kind of community we want to be. Amen? If you're a little scared of grabbing out of the plate, Pastor Scott is in the back and he can get you what you need. We're taking a reverse offering today. We want to be a New Testament church, a Jesus church that takes what God has put in our hands and we give it and God multiplies it and he does miracles. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Would you use this uh, reverse offering? Would you use the generosity of your people? Would you bless people in need? Would you lift our eyes up? Would we have a vision of what could be and what should be? Would you bless all the, all the, the vision and dreams that you've put in the heart of this church? Would you bless those? But Lord, most of all, help us to love the people and see the people that you love most and not be afraid of scarcity, but to realize that we have the God of all abundance. In Jesus' name, amen.